This is episode 106 of Parenting with the Focused Mindset. Social anxiety is fear and anxiety that leads to avoidance that can disrupt your life. It causes stress that can affect your relationships, your daily routine, your work, school, and even your activities. There's a lot of people that are experiencing anxiety either in a heightened way or a brand new way. And it's time for us to talk about it. Let's find some ways that we can cope with social anxiety. Welcome to Parenting with the Focused Mindset. I'm your host, Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. I know that raising kids is quite the journey and doesn't always turn out as we planned. Here, we talk about the solution-focused approach. We learn how to celebrate when things are going well and how to deal with the many challenges that families face. Don't forget to hit subscribe, download, follow, so you don't miss any of the family-oriented, solution-focused content that I put out for you right here each and every week. Listening to this podcast will help you be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love. Hello, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad you can join us today. Last week, we talked about the things that I've been learning by doing grief and loss groups in my school counseling practice. Something that I've noticed that have come up as a theme in my coaching, and especially when I'm speaking with parents, is anxiety. The feelings of anxiety that specifically are related to being around others, being in groups, being in social situations. I can say that this has heightened a lot since our pandemic, and that's true. But the truth is is that social anxiety is something that so many people fight in their life. And it's a very quiet thing because it all happens up inside the mind. A lot of people are so embarrassed that they deal with it, that they battle with themselves, basically, in order to try and get over the anxiety that they feel within them to go into some social situations. Some people might be like, oh, you're just getting all worked up. Just snap out of it. But the truth is the things that happen inside our mind, our mind doesn't know the difference between real panic that's actually happening to you and panic that you've made up. We know that that's true by the fact that if you watch a scary movie and a jump scare happens, you jump out of your skin. Even though logically, you know that you're sitting on your couch and there's nobody jumping out at you, your mind does not know the difference once it sees that scary thing pop out. That is very similar, except on a very heightened level of what happens with people that are dealing with anxiety related to social situations. Anxiety in general is rooted in fear. But the difference in this fear is that the mind begins to tell a narrative, tell a story that you believe. It begins to tell you about all of the things that could go wrong and the possibilities and heightens that and clarifies that until it becomes a bright memory that seems like it's going to happen for sure. The truth is, is that it is simply a figment of our imagination. When you think about all that we've learned in this podcast alone about how powerful the mind is and 
all the things that we know about how our mindset can completely shift a situation. It shouldn't surprise us that the narrative that we allow in our mind can create a complete and total panic attack. Even on a lower scale, it can cause somebody to be uh, paralyzed in their fear enough to completely isolate themselves or stop themselves from doing things that they actually very much enjoy. And you might be saying, hmm, I have noticed that a little bit more in my life. If you've been one of those people that have started going someplace and then talked yourself out of it and gone home, even though you know that you should have been there, it's always important for you to do a check on yourself and see where you're at, especially if you've been coping with social anxiety as a child uh, or even as a young adult. Don't ignore the signs that your body gives you. Now, in a little bit, I'm going to give you three solution-focused inspired steps that you can take to help you with your social anxiety. But first of all, let's continue to explore what are some of the symptoms? Because if not in you, you very well may be seeing this in the life of your child or in the life of what, uh, your loved one, your spouse. And you might be one of those people that are shucking it off as no big deal. You might be the one that's dismissing somebody that's actually having a real internal dialogue with themselves that's causing them to fall into a deeper and deeper place of social anxiety. So I'm going to give you some symptoms that you might see in somebody or yourself when you're starting to feel the effects of social anxiety. Now I'm going to walk through 11 indicators that you may be dealing with social anxiety. We won't have time to go in detail about each and every one, but you can always go back and listen to them again. Find out if a few of these ring true to you. Find out if a few of these might ring true to your son or daughter. If you've seen them struggle with going to new places or you've seen signs of fear and anxiety in them, then these indicators are going to be for you. This comes from the Mayo Clinic and on their website, they recently featured an article about social anxiety disorder and social phobia. Let's go through these 11 emotional and behavioral symptoms that people will see when they're having social anxiety. Number one, fear of situations in which you may be judged negatively. Number two, worry about embarrassing or humiliating yourself. Number three, intense fear of interacting or talking with strangers. Four, fear that others will notice that you look anxious. The fifth one is fear of physical symptoms that might cause you embarrassment, such as blushing, sweating, trembling, shaking your voice, or even fear of throwing up. The next one is avoidance of doing things or speaking to people out of fear of embarrassment. And the seventh one, avoidance of situations that you might be the center of attention. Number eight, anxiety and anticipation of fear of an activity or an event that you have in the past enjoyed. Number nine, an intense fear of or anxiety during the social situation. Number 10, when you analyze what you might do, your performance, what you're going to be saying, and then pick out your flaws. 
right before a social situation. And number 11, expectations of the worst possible consequence from an experience in a social situation. Now, if you said yes to many of these things for yourself, I want to ask you right now to tell yourself, that's okay. I am going to recognize this about myself. Notice it. You know what's even better? Speak it out loud. When it's all up inside of our head and there's, our mind is swirling with thoughts, it grows and grows and grows like a huge storm. Sometimes the best thing you can do is not only to hear the list like you have right now, but to speak it and say, wow, I've felt, and then name which ones really ring true to you and share it with somebody else. That right away defuses some of the power that it's holding inside of you. One of the biggest ways that we can hang on to our anxiety forever and ever is to keep it inside. We've got to let it free. We've got to open up the cage door and let it run free. It's like if we have some kind of, uh, you know, wild animal caged and just furious inside of us, sometimes it's sleeping because, you know, we're not upset. We're not worried. We're not anxious. But as soon as we wake that monster up, it causes turmoil within us like no other. If anxiety feels like that, like a caged animal within you at times, it's time to let it out. And one way to let it out is by talking about it, acknowledging it, making sure that you don't have all this guilt that you surround yourself with, because maybe at one point your anxiety did stop you from doing something amazing, or you felt like it affected the people around you. When you recognize these things, it's a it's a, it's a sure sign to yourself that you want to move forward from this. You're ready to move forward from this. And you know what? You can walk forward from this. It's hard to believe because when you're in that very moment, you're like, this is the biggest thing ever. I tried really hard to think of an example I could show you guys or tell you guys, but I got to thinking that I have had so many children lately that have been referred to me for what I consider to be some form of social anxiety that I couldn't even pinpoint one particular story. There's so many of them. But what I could pinpoint is a formula that I've been doing with almost every single one, no matter if their anxiety seemed to be rooted from the death of a loved one or just memories, or maybe they used to have a heightened level of anxiety even before the pandemic. And then it seems to be revisiting in a much, uh, much more destructive form, simply because we're getting more and more back into school. There's so many different avenues of the reasons why. And what's interesting is these three steps I'm going to share with you, these solution-focused strategies have helped in each and every situation. Recently, I had a discussion with a parent. And after we talked about her daughter and what her daughter had been going through as far as not wanting to get out of the car before school, she said, I want to tell you something. I sometimes feel really guilty because I think I've modeled some of this behavior. I think it's because of me. That mom guilt was coming in strong, but I had to listen closely to what she was saying. And I had to acknowledge that she was noticing a pattern and she was brave enough to speak it. And that's exactly what I told her. 
I told her, you are on the right track because you just noticed a correlation between the actions that you've been doing and the actions that you're seeing in your child. That doesn't only take bravery. It takes the ability to really look closely and analyze what's going on and then take ownership. And that is the first step to you being able to change and make some changes for yourself. It's going to make a big, huge difference to your child. We really need to step up and pat ourselves on the back when we see something within ourselves that need to change, especially when we see that it's affecting our kids. So I told that mom, the same steps that I'm going to share with you. And she reported back to me that it was so helpful. And what are those solution-focused strategies? I am going to get right into it. And then also, by the way, if you want to look in the show notes, I'm going to leave a link to the article that uh, where I found all of these symptoms if you want to look further into it. This is a pretty great article, actually, just to help somebody out. If you feel like your social anxiety has been a, a just heightened even, or even to the point where you're thinking, all right, it's time for me to get some help with this. I encourage you to follow up and do just that. So this article, the article is called Social Anxiety Disorder Overview. It might be a kind of boring read, but it does have all of those 11 symptoms in that article. All right. So let's move on. So what are the three steps that you can take with yourself and that you can help your child with to get to the other side of social anxiety. First of all, decide upon a name that you're going to give your fear-based anxiety. Yeah, you're going to name it. And somebody might think that that helps you have more ownership over it. As a matter of fact, it has the exact opposite result. Because rather than it being your anxiety now, it's the anxiety that you're dealing with. It has a name. It's something that you can talk to. And it's something that you can tell to get lost. It's scientifically proven that if we take ownership and feel as though that caged animal is who we are and what we are, it is much harder for us to fight it and walk away from it. So when you give your fear that's based around anxiety a name, then you can tell it to get lost. I've had kids name it uh, actual name like Gertrude or Fred. Um, I've had other kids name it Mr. What If or the monster I hate. It really doesn't matter what it is as long as it comes from you and it's something that you can straight up call it. Mr. Anxiety, there you are again. No, no. We are going to handle this differently today. We're going to try something new. The truth is you are not your anxiety. And you can leave that anxiety in the dust when you step forward into the amazing future that you were meant to live. But I'll tell you what, give it a name. See what difference it makes. Now, I take kids and I actually have them draw a picture of their little monster that's within them that they that's fear. And I get the cutest little drawings. Hey, you should do it too. Draw a drawing. Draw the little angry face and the hair all over the place and then realize, wait a minute, 
This is, and then give it a name. I'm so hesitant to think of any particular name on this podcast because you might have that name and then you're like, oh, I can't believe that she just called it that. I mean, picture yourself talking to someone across the table and you're talking to them and you're giving them advice of what they're going to do. Sometimes it just flows out. You're like, yeah, I know exactly what they need to do. And you talk to them. And then later on, you might think, oh, maybe I need to take some of that advice and give it to myself. That's kind of the trick you're playing with your mind. And your mind needs little tricks like this to get over social anxiety. You need to talk to your anxiety like it's something across the room, across the table and say, hey, hold on a second. I see you're telling me this whole big old story. Nuh-uh, not today. All right, so that's step one. Name it. Think of a name and then don't be afraid to talk to it like it's right across the room and give it what it needs, a kick in the pants. (laughs) The next thing is create a new narrative. What you do is you clearly, clearly define a picture of what you would like it to be like the next time you walk into the social situation that is worrying you. And you've got to think of the colors and the smells and the things that are the the, uh, the little tiny things like what people say that you enjoy, what makes you laugh, what's the humor in it, what's your absolute favorite part about that event. Build a narrative, even journal about it. And you are developing such a bright and beautiful picture that it is, it's like the bright sunshine and the other narrative that's developed around anxiety seems dim. And that seems to be so dim that it is just in the background because you have a brighter, more vivid picture of what you prefer, what you really want it to be like, what you know that it could be like. You can attach this to one of your favorite memories related to the same topic. This especially helps if you feel that the anxiety has heightened and at one point you were dealing with it a little bit better. Well, think back to that one point. Think about your very favorite time that you did this same activity, how it felt. Allow yourself to smile. Allow yourself to think about it. Make a list of all the benefits, all the way that it helps you. Because you are craving all of those positive things and don't even realize it. You want them in your life so desperately. I was so inspired to do this podcast after an amazing conversation that I had with my daughter. She has been dealing with social anxiety her whole life. And I'm ashamed to say that early on when she was a child, I didn't recognize it as such. And I did not always deal with it well. I was the mom that made the mistake many times of dismissing or um, being a little bit too harsh with forcing her to do the activity that I knew was best for her. And it is hard sometimes to face that fact and face the reality that my daughter is having to sort out how to really cope with social anxiety more in her adult life, rather than being able to really sort it out in a more healthy way in her childhood. Now, that's not to say that we didn't make strides forward, but the real debilitation of social anxiety happens in your mind. 
And my daughter was telling me about memories she had when she coped with it in college. And I wasn't with her. She was in another state. And she talked about how now that she's uh, again revisiting some of those things because, you know, she's uh, entering into all these brand new activities right now and starting a new church and all this kind of stuff. She's remembering back when she was uh, in college and things I wouldn't know or nobody knows when she just quietly opted out of situations. Why? Because of the narrative that was in her mind became so loud and so big that she just said, "Uh uh-uh, ain't gonna happen. I was so interested in listening to her and finding out how she's uh, dealing with that battle even today. And I know that you might be battling that very same thing. The reason I pause right here at step number two of building your own narrative is because I realize that the narrative that anxiety has is forming within your mind, it really does talk you out of situations. It talks you out of going places. It talks you out of leaving on time and, and doing the things you need to do. And I want to encourage you to take the steps of building a bright and beautiful narrative surrounded around the things that you're going to be doing in your life and giving yourself all of the reasons beforehand why it is going to be a huge benefit to you. And an anxiety can be such a strong voice that it can actually use some of the reasons that you're giving yourself of why it's so important that you work towards conquering this social anxiety and being able to move forward it begins to say, see, that's why you shouldn't even try. Because if it attacks, you might hurt those around you. Remember that those around you are rooting for you. They might not understand it. They might not have ever felt it before in their body the way that you do, but they're rooting for you and they want you to be a part of their life in a way that brings you joy and peace. Now, if this isn't you and it's your child, as it was for me, I encourage you so strongly to not make the mistake that I did to get stuck in only helping your child go where they need to go and get over it. Rather, have compassion. Listen to them. Maybe go through those 10 things with them and say, hey, are these things that sometimes you feel? And allow them the opportunity to get this out of their head so they can begin to build a different narrative. Now, what is the third thing? Let's, let's move on. I got in a little tangent there, didn't I? Number three is using the sentence, I look forward to. And choosing the thing that you most look forward to about the event that you're about to go into. Quite a while ago now, I listened to something that Mel Robbins was talking to about her anxiety, and she was giving an example of flying a plane. She, I guess, had an intense anxiety and fear around flying in planes. And at that time in her life, she was in planes all the time. It was pre-pandemic. She was flying all over the place speaking. And she talked one time about how she had to attach herself to a strong feeling of looking forward to something in order to allow herself to take the steps that it took to walk into that plane and sit down. And she would think about a restaurant she was going to go to or a person she was going to see and begin to build excitement. Well, since I heard that, I've been utilizing that with kids. And I say, let's talk about what you look forward to. Now, when they're going to school, maybe they've found in their mind all the negative things about going to school. But guess what? 
there's always something in that day that they look forward to that they would miss out on when they're not there. Oh, it's a best friend that they get to sit by at lunch that they get to play with. Oh, it's an activity that's their favorite. It's a subject that's their favorite subject. Sometimes it's their teacher. Whatever that is, again, brighten that in your life by saying, I look forward to. And just refuse to let your mind continue on that narrative of the what ifs and the fears that could happen and this could happen and that could happen and all of these things that literally have never happened and interrupt it. Just interrupt that fear. When you interrupt it, just like you would interrupt someone if they were um, putting down the person that you love the most and they were just, you know, calling them all kinds of names, you'd say, uh, excuse me, I'm going to interrupt you right there. You interrupt the voice that is sabotaging you and say, hold up, I'm going to interrupt you right there. I look forward to seeing my friends. I look forward to reading the Bible with others, if it's a Bible study or uh, uh, exploring this game, if it's, I don't know, going into something where you're going to be playing a game with others or seeing the smiles on the faces of the people that I haven't seen in a long time, whatever it is, I look forward to. And then you can use mindfulness and taking a real deep breath. As you breathe in, You think about the thing you look forward to and you're breathing out and you tell yourself, yes, that is going to happen. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. And then you take that step forward. You just breathe in and then go ready, set, and I'm off. And you walk. Helping your child do this, you will feel so much more empowered than the stress that comes from forcing them to do something and then the exhaustion that comes afterwards. Help them identify the thing they're going to look forward to and then help them say, ready, set, let's just walk forward. Now, I could think of one particular child right now that I'm working with that has intense anxiety around what actually scientifically has been proven one of the biggest fears of kids. Uh, He gets so worried that he feels nauseous, right, when he's in social situations, so he's worried that he's going to throw up. And it is still all related to social anxiety. And this child will carry water bottles with him and just do anything he can, even when he's able to walk forward, to be able to avoid that fear. Well, I'll tell you what, when he began to say, I look forward to, and he had one thing that he looked forward to out on the playground, I began to see him smile. I began to see him flourish and we didn't take away the water bottles. You might need to have a a little, I guess, crutch, if you will, to take things slow. And it's okay to take things slow. It's okay to be kind to yourself and compassionate in that way. But then one time I walked into the classroom recently and the teacher did what I thought was so amazing because it's another great way for us to trick our mind is noticing when we do well. And I came in and I said, well, how is our friend doing? And right in front of him, she said, you know what? Just a few minutes ago, he went to the bathroom and didn't bring his water bottles. I was so impressed. He was so brave. He just marched right in there and went in there and came back with a smile on his face. It was so impressive. And this little boy sat a little taller and he just was really proud of himself. That's just one small thing. But let me tell you, he's going to remember that all day long. 
So be proud of yourself and be proud of that little person that you might be working with that's also anxious. Notice when they do just the smallest little step forward and celebrate it. That's the greatest way to have compassion is to also recognize when things go well. Your mind wants to remember that and it will help you take steps forward so you feel like the anxiety that has been attacking you for all this time is released, released from the cage that it's been locked in and now you're free. You're free to walk forward. And it's not to say that you won't feel that anxiety again, but you'll be able to notice it and you'll be able to put some things in practice to help you live the life that you know you want to live. Freedom comes from recognizing what we're going through. We need to talk about it like we are right now. We need to be aware of the symptoms. We never want to live in a place where, um, where we're ignoring what's going on around us, right? That just seems silly, but we do it to ourselves. You can conquer such amazing things and you have before. And social anxiety is one of those. Please, if you feel as though you've been crippled with social anxiety, if you feel that it's gotten worse even in the last year or so, be excited about getting help. Be excited about maybe finding the therapy that can be just right for you. Be excited about taking steps like this on purpose to be able to name it and create a new narrative and find out what you look forward to. But you know what? I have grown to find so much joy in helping people and helping the little kids that I work with right now to get to the other side of anxiety. You are not being a burden by opening up and talking about it because there are people that want to help you and you can get to the other side. You can, and so can your children. And before we close up this podcast, I want to answer this question. How can you prepare yourself to start socializing again in a situation that causes you anxiety? First, try and take it slow whenever possible. Allow yourself to ease back into socialization. Don't rush back into social planning so suddenly and fill up your social calendar, especially if you've had to be physically isolated, you've been in your um, quarantine or something. Be flexible. Start slowly. You might benefit from um, some support. Reach out to other people closest to you and ask them, where can I be invited to? What can I do? And just have a conversation with them. And when the time comes that you're leading up to that social activity, practice your coping skills before you need to go. Take it easy that day. Give yourself plenty of time and sleep the night before. Healthy eating, all of those things can help so much to ease the anxiety. And you can choose one new thing that you're doing each day that's a little outside the box. It could just be trying a new coffee place to get coffee or going outside your routine to go to a brand new park you've never been to, something. So your mind begins to replace that nervousness with a healthy acceptance for new social situations. I hope that these things can help you and your family build a healthy relationship 
with being out in the society that we love and the people we're around, you know, being around people gives us energy, gives us joy. Sometimes our mind wants to trick us to think that's not true. So I hope you go out and enjoy your day today. I will have some helpful links in my show notes today. You can go to my website, thefocusedmindset.com, and I'll have lots of resources for you there too. One thing I'd love for you to do is join the Focused Mindset community. I'm going to be sending out so many resources in the time to come to help you in a solution-focused manner to deal with things like anxiety, like fear, like the many challenges that we have coming up. Click the link below or go to thefocusedmindset.com and click join the community. It's absolutely free to you. You can also join me over on my Instagram, share, C-H-E-R, The Focused Mindset. And share, The Focused Mindset is the same handle that I have on TikTok, on Facebook. Um, And I'd love to see you there. Let's join together as a community, get to know one another, and help us move forward. And until next time, keep in touch and take care.